Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. Okay. Um, before we do, we just want to let you know that this is not a Christian Bible study podcast and it's not appropriate for children. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew and I'm reading the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. I'm the ex-Christian, and I am reading the New International Version, or NIV, of the Bible. NIV Campbell. That's right. You're reading NIV Campbell, who is, of course, Steven Tyler's daughter, if I remember correctly. I really don't think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This week, we're covering the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Should I give us some fast facts? Well, before we do, we should check in really quickly. Oh, okay. Like, how are you doing? Um, well, I have a really large pimple in the middle of my forehead, mm-hmm. and I had to wear a hat today to oh. cover it up. What kind of hat? It was a little blue beanie. Sounds cute. It was not that cute, because I'm also wearing a blue striped shirt, and I looked like, where's Waldo? But oh, blue. you were a little sailor girl. Yeah. <laughs> like a little longshore shore woman. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was me. A little longshore woman that you have to find in a picture with a lot of other little longshore wo- women in it. Pippy Longshore Stockings. Yep. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? You know what? I'm doing well. I had a pretty relaxed day today. Um, We're going to talk about the Bible now. Shut up. <clears throat> Here's some fast facts about the book of see how she disrespects Corinthians. Me? I love it. <laughs> it was written around AD 50 by Paul. Again, very exciting. The actual author is the same as the purported author. Mm. Um, it's written in Koine Greek, like the rest of the New Testament, and um, it is an epistle, which is kind of like an open letter um, to the church in Corinth, Greece, that Paul apparently started. Um, and he's writing it from Ephesus, which is in what is now Turkey. Okay. So um, he's on he's on tour. Yeah. He's on book tour. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's when he's on tour uh, before he gets shipwrecked on Malta. Mm. Um, and so Corinth was like a really big, important city in Greece for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, But then the Romans destroyed it in 146 BC, and it had just been rebuilt, like seriously, like less than 10 years before Paul started the church there. I see. Um, So, I don't know. It sounds like a more interesting story than what's in the Bible. (laughs) I know, kind of, right? Well, it may be like a good place to sort of test out a new religion. Ah, Because it's like... From the ashes. Yeah. People like just came back to it. A great tree will grow. Um, and it was rebuilt by Julius Caesar or like refounded by him um, shortly before he was assassinated. And it was a big center for the imperial cult, which is like the Roman practice of um, venerating emperors and their families as like divine uh, representations of power. Mm. Um, and also worshiping deceased emperors as minor gods. I see. And um, in the book, How Jesus Became God by Bart Ehrman, he talks about how this was probably one of the influences that led people to make the leap from... Jesus um, is the son of God to Jesus being God? Well, Jesus as like a messiah Uh to being like a son of God or some sort of like actually divine figure. Uh, I see. They got their peanuts mixed up with their chocolate. Um, Yeah. That's, I think, the best possible way to describe it. Mm-hmm. It was chocolate-covered peanuts. Um, and my Bible's footnotes also point Thank out... Thank you, by the way. <laughs> Ex- excuse me? I was thanking you for complimenting my wonderful comparison. Oh, you're, you're extremely welcome. I'm glowing. Um, my Bible's footnotes also point out that there was a big temple to Aphrodite in Corinth with a lot mm. of temple prostitutes. <gasps> um, and they kind of imply that that's like what Paul is talking about when he's talking about sexual immorality. What? But um, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I looked it up and like it was a big center of temple prostitutes like several hundred years in the past. Well, not for the first time. The notes in your Bible are full are of garbage. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they fucked themselves, crap boys. <laughs> um, uh, chapter one. Should we get started? I would love to. So an epistle is like an open letter. So it starts off. Like a letter, you know, like, dear Corinth, what's up? Uh, God rules and Christianity is awesome. Um, it also says the letter is written by Sosthenes, mm-hmm. who I guess is like kind of a scribe and, and writing down what Paul is saying. Um, so do you imagine the scenario 
where Sosthenes is like a Christian as well? Or do you think he's just like a scribe for hire that Paul like found in the marketplace? I don't know. But I do feel that there's some points in this book that we'll get to where it kind of seems like like you can tell that Paul is going off the rails and Sosthenes kind of like, OK, well, I won't write that part. Um, let's just get can we can we stay on track? I see. I see. I kind of wonder how much like editing power these scribes had. Um, of course, so- you would wonder about editing. Power. <laughs> That's literally a historical detail that only you would focus on. Um. So Paul is writing to this church in Corinth mainly because he's heard that there's some internal quarrels there mm-hmm. um, with some people saying they follow Paul, some people saying they follow Peter. Some love Marmite, some hate it. Some Apollos, whoever the fuck that is, and um, some Jesus. And he's like, OK, to be clear, we all follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's our whole deal. You can't say anything else. <laughs> Just to be clear, we're Christians. That's in, it's like in the name. Um, and then he's like, you know, I know things are confusing, but that's just how God works. Um, Jews want miraculous signs and Greeks want logic, but God provides neither. Mm. Um, well, I mean, God has provided plenty of miraculous signs. It does signs. seem like he's provided like miraculous sign after miraculous And Paul sign. himself has provided logical arguments as well as some of the people in the Old Testament as well. I mean, and also Paul himself like underwent blindness, miraculous blindness and healing. Mm-hmm. So like... <laughs> But whatever. So what, whatever he's talking about, I don't know. And he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. You're going to say that again. Oh, I see. Is that your, that's your, that's your little punch up But with voice. A, with the demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Again, this also seems like miraculous signs. Um, He calls the Corinthians... Mere infants in Christ for quarreling about who to follow. And he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready. Yes, he calls them little babies in Christ. Little Bible babies. Mm -hmm, Because they don't know anything and their object permanence is not established yet. (laughs) They're still seeing sounds and tasting colors. Is this my hand or is it the color red? And then he says, you know... um, Don't talk about whether you're following Paul or Apollos. Just talk about following God. But you should follow me and I'm sending Timothy to make sure you do. And he also is a little crispy about this. (laughs) In what way? Um, He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. That's why (laughs) I described him as crispy. He is quite crispy. (laughs) Crispus is, of course, much crispier than him. So that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Parentheses, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. <laughs> How did this make it into the Bible? <laughs> See, okay, I think Sosthenes was like, okay, great. You know, <laughs> Paul's just like going on this tangent and Sosthenes is like, all right, whatever you say, you're it's the like, boss. Editor's note, Paul contradicted himself. <laughs> um, chapter five, you don't have the um, titles in your Bible, right? Um, I read a little bit of it on Bible Gateway, which had the titles, oh. but my Oxford Study Bible does not have the titles. So, yeah. So the chapter or the title of chapter five is Expel the Immoral Brother. Mm. And uh, Paul has heard that someone in Corinth has been fucking his dad's wife. And he tells them to kick the guy out of the church, which fair. Uh, he says you should shun Christians like that who are sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, et cetera, et cetera, don't even eat with them. Mm. However, he specifically says that this rule does not apply to non-Christians. And he says he has no business judging people outside the church. Like, that's the direct quote. He says, it's like none of my business. God will judge them. I'm. That doesn't matter to us. Yeah, he's just interested in maintaining a clean church. Yeah. Getting, like, every, making sure everybody knows the rules. Yeah. But isn't that weird? That he is uh, so judgmental of people that m- make mistakes in the church, because I mean, like, considering with... that he like actually killed people for being Christian at the beginning of his career. Yes, and because the philosophy of Jesus is is about forgiveness and radical forgiveness, but you're not supposed to forgive people who are in the church already. I, yeah, it does seem a little contradictory. Or you're especially... only, supposed to, only supposed to forgive people once. <laughs> yeah, especially because Jesus was like hanging out with like sex workers like explicitly um 
And God forbid, tax collectors. And tax collectors, oh which God. are way worse. Um, but it's a little Bible humor for you. <laughs> but this does seem to contradict that, like pretty clearly. Um, he also says, if you have disputes, bring them to people in the church, um, like church elders or just any old person in the church. Mm. Um, don't go to the Greek and Roman authorities. Like even a total like fucking newbie Christian would be better. Than going to the like legal authorities. Um, and he says, I say this to shame you. <laughs> okay, thanks for being upfront about it. Um, he says, No sexual immorality. That's a, a high bar to overcome, I think. Because your body now belongs to Jesus. So when you have sex with a prostitute or two prostitutes. You're forcing Jesus to have sex with either one or two prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And Jesus isn't into that. Jesus didn't consent to that. You have to be GGG to Jesus, but Jesus doesn't have to be GGG to you. Mm, the transubstantive property. Yes, exactly. Of GGG. <laughs> Sexual immorality. Yes. Um, I didn't know this line was from the Bible. He says, your body is a temple of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Of course, referencing that wonderful John Mayer song of the same name. <laughs> your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own, therefore honor God with your body. That's like the Ed Sheeran song of mm. the same name. Honor God with your body. <laughs> Last night you were in my room, but we didn't have any sex. We just said a lot of prayers. Honor God with your body. <laughs> That's good, dude. Did you work on that? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it was all worth it. I should have worked on it a little harder, probably. Well, you did great. Uh, okay. I hate that song, though. It's like the fucking worst song. Every time it's I awful. hear, when I'm playing the radio and I hear a song that I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. It's always either Ed Sheeran or 21 Pilots. <laughs> um. Okay, so then chapter seven, we're going to get Paul's views on marriage. And they're a little weird. So he's like, this is kind of a moonshot. But ideal world, no one ever gets married because then you have to have sex and sex is gross and bad. Yeah. He wants everything to stay the same. Um, He's yeah. like a little child. Yeah. He says like, however, like whatever status you were when you joined Christianity, um, just like keep that the same. So if you're married, stay married. If you're unmarried, stay unmarried. He says if you're uh, uncircumcised, you don't need to get circumcised. And if you're circumcised, you don't need to get uncircumcised, mm-hmm. which I don't know. That's what you you get an extra dick put I on don't top of your think, Okay. I was, I'm not sure they had the technology uh, for that. But um, he concedes that most people can't live without sex. Mm-hmm. So in Remarkably that, clear eyes of Paul. <laughs> so, like, I guess you should get married if, like, if you have to have sex, like a disgusting pervert. <laughs> Um, Open yourself to to all kinds of sin risk. Yeah. Um, And so then, like, then you should get married because it would be way worse to have sex outside of marriage. Mm. Um, And he says, here's his his weird sex advice for married couples. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I just feel like Paul, like, really does not realize that he's defining Christian erotics for the next, like, 2,000 years. Oh, where you get, where you go on, like, prayer breaks or Yeah, and then you're like, oh, Satan is tempting me again or whatever. I don't know. It's like, pray harder. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Oh, ugh. It's just so, like, fucking weird to be like, oh, Satan is tempting you to have sex within marriage. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there's nowhere else in the Bible, like... The whole entire Old Testament was like, yeah, sex is great when you're married. Mm-hmm. Like there's the whole there's the whole book, Song of Songs, which is about how great sex is. And like no, like the Bible up to now has not been squeamish at all about sex. It's had very specific rules that you have to follow. Uh-huh. But it's like he doesn't even use Paul doesn't even use the word sex. <gasps> you know, he's like or like lay with or anything. You know, he just he's like come together again or mm. like. Um, do not deprive each other 
you know. Ah, uh, I see. He doesn't even like. He can't even like bring himself to be say specific it. about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, he's so. Hmm. He's so fucking phobic. Um, and he forbids divorce, which is directly from Jesus, right. as we saw. Yeah. Um, and, and that has to do with being part of Christ's body too, right? Something like that. Well, he does say that if you okay, if you converted to Christianity and your spouse. Like you were already married and your spouse doesn't convert, mm-hmm. that you can leave them. But it's better not to because you're all in the body of Christ or whatever. So this part is weird because he says, To the rest I say, I am not the Lord, that if any unbeliever has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. Okay. Yeah, so he's just saying, like, that's my recommendation. That's not like a law from God. That's okay. just what I think. Why is it in the Bible? Because he wrote it in the letter and they included the letter. But then like, is this, is this letter divinely inspired? Like, does this meet the, the canon requirements for, for like Old Testament stuff? Or is this just like, um, well, every word of the Bible is inspired by God and it's literally true and inerrant. So yes, it is inspired by God. I just wonder why we're taking this guy Paul's advice. I mean, he seems to have lived an interesting life and be quite devoted to his idea of Jesus (laughs) But at the same time, he doesn't seem to understand what like life is for normal people. Yeah. His advice universally seems a little questionable. Well, not universally. There are some parts later that I think are are pretty good, but we'll see. He says like, okay, he says the problem with marriage is that if you're married. Too many wives. (laughs) It's harder to focus on God because you're always going to have this person like this human that you are focused on their happiness. Mm hmm. Which I think is like a really cute, optimistic view of marriage, um, especially during a time when like marriage wasn't really about love. Um, but he's like, yeah, but you're going to like love them more than God. So you got to watch out. Right. Um, what's weird is that he like doesn't take kids into account at all, mm-hmm. which well, he does. He does briefly. He says um, the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. <laughs> So if you have at least one Christian parent, you're holy. But it's like weird because. <laughs> but yes, he doesn't take into account. He's like, that. oh, yeah, if you're married, then you're then you like have this human who's your priority mm-hmm. without realizing that like, well, when you have kids, don't you think they're going to be the priority? It just like doesn't seem to enter his head have to feed them and clothe them or else social services is going to be up your ass. It's true. And social services in ancient Rome. Was, oh, they didn't fuck around. It was fucked up. They'd put you in a fucking lion's den. Mm-hmm. Put your baby in the fucking baby Torium? arena. I don't know what you're yeah, going for. Yeah, the fucking arena, like oh, gladiator to battle, style. To battle, battle it out with all the other babies? Yeah. Only one baby can remain. Yeah. And that baby? Augustus Caesar. <laughs> Great. Um, in conclusion, Jughead is not asexual, but Paul of Tarsus is. Okay. Paul, Paul F. Tompkins? Paul, Paul F. Tompkins is asexual. You heard it here first. Um... The next part is interesting because I feel like it's another part where Paul is talking uh, and the scribe is writing down what he says and he's getting off topic. Mm -hmm. He starts, now, about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he goes on this tangent about love and knowledge. And then he goes back to, so then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. (laughs) (laughs) He also says in this little passage... Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, yep. which is something that you should not write in your book <laughs> if you are claiming a lot of things. That's, um, you know, Sosthenes should have struck it out, I think. Well, Sosthenes was writing out whatever the fuck this dude I know. said. He That's been... why I think he was hired at the market. He's not like a Christian. Oh, he's not like invested in making this sound good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't leave this fucking tangent in because yeah. it's so... Weird. Or, or the parenthetical where he's like, mm, maybe I did baptize some more of you, but I don't <laughs> I don't remember. remember. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I know this is like really relevant to all our listeners. So I just want to let you know um, that you can eat food that has been sacrificed to pagan idols um, because pagan idols aren't. Can you think of any modern uh, example of that? Yeah. Like if I were to go to the temple of Athena and like sacrifice a goat to Athena. As we do every Thursday. Yeah. Um, then I guess when they resell the goat meat at the market. Mm-hmm. Um, Not the prime cuts, which, of course, go to the priestesses at the temple. Right. Um, the temple prostitutes, hopefully. Um, then a Christian can eat that goat. 
meat that's been resold on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're getting those those like post temple goat hooves at the market. Yeah. And you're like, mmm, hoof meat is the tastiest meat. Yeah. And you're like, wow, they really used all the parts of the animal. This is so beautiful. But what would the early church think of this? Yeah. The answer is you can eat it. A okay. It's fine. Hoof because, it up, baby. Because pagan idols are aren't real. So mm-hmm. like nothing happened to the meat. It's fine. However, someone might see you eating that idol food mm. and they'll know that it was sacrificed to an idol, obviously. Um, where else would you get meat? And uh, then you've led that person away from God because now they think you're cool with idols. So, mm. so you just fucked yourself, crap boy, mm. in the words of Trisha Lockwood. Um, so I guess you should, if you're going to eat idol food, eat it in private. Do the sad desk lunch, but with... Post-sacrifice goat hooves. Yeah, but, yeah. With, but with hooves. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I don't super understand this part. He says that he like has the right to get paid for his work mm-hmm. of spreading the gospel, but that like he doesn't get paid because he's like, just like that, that good of a guy. This part's very strange. He says, you know, everybody knows that when Jesus told everyone to spread the gospel, it was implied that, that we they would getting, get paid. <laughs> and that's true. But I just wanted to make it clear that I am not getting paid for this. And. No one can take that away from me. No one can take my moral superiority away from me. He pretty much literally says that. Um, he no also... one will deprive me of my ground for boasting. Is there you go. <laughs> ground for boasting. Perfect. That's even worse than my joke version. Um, he also says that so when he's preaching to Jews, he acts like a Jew. Uh, when he's preaching to Greeks, he acts like a Greek, you know, and so on and so forth. And he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And so humble, too. Yes. So this is like where the phrase you can't be all things to all people comes from. Except that. It doesn't make any sense because he is. all. Paul things is to saying all that he is all things to all people. Yeah. I. He's just so. Why is he so braggadocious in his letter to the Corinthians? What does this have to do with anything? Look, he's he's trying to like. Now, OK, like we know there's like some power struggles, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are following Peter. Some people are following Apollos. Again, whoever the fuck that is. Mm. Um, and so I think he may be trying to use like this rhetorical. Um, his flex his rhetorical muscles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like the big man of Jesus. I'm the big Bible boy. I'm the big Bible boy. Yeah. Not and, the politic man, despite what anyone else would and say. Like Peter, you know, don't worry about Peter. Like he's a politic man. Yeah. Yeah, don't I'm listen. the big Bible boy. Yeah. He'll want you to say that, like, Peter's the man when, in fact, Jesus is the man. Yeah. Although I'm the man. Yeah, I'm also the man because of how good I am at Jesus stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about Moses for a while. It's weird. He says, like, the Israelites in the desert ate spiritual food and drank spiritual water um, and that the rock that Moses struck that the water came out of was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why was it Jesus? Well, I think he's trying to draw a parallel between the Israelites in the desert and the early Christians. But like when Moses struck the rock, he struck it wrong. And that's why he wasn't allowed into the promised land. What does that have to do with Jesus? That's a good question. I mean, he's I think I'm trying to appeal to people that have not read that book. <laughs> OK, um, then why did he bring it up? Because you mentioned Moses and it's got that he puts a little of that spark. That's appeal to authority. Mm. Um, then he comes back to eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Apparently this was like not covered well enough. Earlier. Well, apparently this was like a large source of food for the Christian community. Like, I don't understand. You would think that like you would just think this wouldn't come up that often, but mm-hmm. apparently it does. What, what what does he say about the second time? Does he say anything new? No. He says again, you can eat it, but not in front of people. <laughs> Everybody's watching you. Hide your. Be a good example. Heidel. Your idol. Food. Mm. Idol. Your idol. Food. I think it's about time we took a break. Okay. Okay, you're going to hear some music and we'll be back in about a minute. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we're talking about iCorinthians. We're talking about iRobot. I get to use that the classic so many times. Will Smith movie that was an original screenplay written by Will Smith. <laughs> um, okay, no, we're talking about 1 Corinthians and we're about halfway through it and we are about to get to the worst. One we're, about, of, we're, about to get, we're about to hit the chunky stuff. <laughs> we're about to hit the chunky stuff. This is in chapter 11. It says that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So it's like the Trinity, the mm-hmm. shitty. It's like the fuck shit Trinity. Mm-hmm. And then he says, while praying and prophesying in church, a woman has to cover her head, and a man cannot cover his head. Right, because his head is Christ. Uh, because a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Great, yeah. Uh, He says, does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if the woman has long hair, it is her glory. Does not the very nature of things. What about the Nazarites? Uh, that's a really good question, baby. What about fucking John the Baptist? What about Samson? They're both great Jews. And they had long fucking hair. Yeah. They look great. And Samson, although a flawed hero. <laughs> still killed a lot of Philistines. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, so that's cool. It's cool. Man, that Samson story was great. Can we do that one again? Instead? <laughs> I know, it's better than this. It's cool when you're like reading something and then the author just is like, oh, by the way, like you're not a human. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, so when you say that's cool, you mean the opposite of that, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm being, yeah, I'm being facetious. Oh, no. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I got a little <laughs> facetia. <laughs> this, okay, this is something that like, I did not really grow up with this attitude. This was not mm. like um, a big thing in my church or not really in my family either. Um, but I think like just reading it in this context, where mm. I'm like going through and I'm like, yes, I'm like engaging with this intellectually and I'm thinking really deeply about all the things that Paul is saying, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's just like you get to this thing where he's like, oh, by the way, like women aren't really like fully human. And it's just like, oh, right. Like, I forgot. <laughs> well, interestingly, I think this passage causes a bit of controversy from a textual standpoint because women are praying in it. Yeah. Well, so we'll get to this in a few chapters also. Yeah. Um, but I also want to point out, for, I don't want to downplay the horror that it feels like to be dehumanized well, by I was this gonna text, say, but... I was going to say that, like, if you're a sincere believer, mm-hmm. that it must be, like, really difficult. To be like, oh, okay, well, like, this is the Bible, this is the word of God, and God says that I'm, like, not a full human. Mm. I never had to deal with that, but. I, I, imagine, I imagine that would be difficult. Ima- Do, I imagine I mean, it's very difficult. But this is just Paul saying it, it's not Jesus. Yeah, but, like, when you're given the Bible, uh-huh. it's supposed to, I mean, you know, lots of American churches teach that the Bible is inerrant and literally true. Which is crazy. I know, but like, you know, that's like millions of people. So that's millions of women who are like reading this and being told like, yeah, this is the word of God. Mm. And yeah, you just, you're just not as good as men. Sorry. Plus you should have long hair. Yeah. Cause that's your glory. Right. But you have to cover it up because it's a disgrace. Yeah. Again, pretty phobic about sex there. <laughs> like, oh yes, women, like they're so beautiful and their hair is glorious, but they have to cover it up cause it's a disgrace. I mean, but that's consistent with the Old Testament, too. I remember at least a couple of those prophets were very uptight about women in a that's strange way. extremely like true, They're yes. so beautiful and <laughs> they're such awful temptresses, yeah. you know? <laughs> they don't even know how close to sin they are at all times, those disgusting, beautiful women. Um, Paul also says that the church in Corinth is doing the Lord's Supper wrong. Um, he says, like, you know, you don't just... Apparently in Corinth... People have been bringing their own food. Yeah, like, and they just show up whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And it's just like some people get drunk. They have, they don't seem to, 
accomplish the basic goals of a supper, yeah, which so is he, everyone <laughs> eats the same he's thing. He's like, at the you same don't just time. like fucking get together at TGI Fridays and like order like an appetizer. Like you have and to. You're not going to split that with like eight cards or yeah. whatever. Think about your fucking wait staff. Yeah, people. seriously. You have to take the bread and say it's the fucking body of Christ. You have to take the wine, say it's the blood. You have to all eat at the same time. You're not supposed to get <laughs> drunk. Like, and then it's funny at the end. He's it's he's basically like, well, look, just. I'll show you when I visit, okay? <laughs> um, then he says God gives everyone spiritual gifts. Um, so as church members, we're all body parts in one big body. Mm-hmm. Like uh, some sort of Voltron or something. Um, and it may seem like some are like less important, but they're actually all essential. Like the left arm Voltron. Um, and he says the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. So even if you think someone's just like, oh, well, he just like sweeps the church or whatever. Yeah. That's still an integral part of a functioning body, which I think is kind of a nice sentiment. It is. And Voltron. Plus Voltron. Yeah. But then we get what I think is maybe the the nicest single chapter in the New Testament that hasn't been in one of the Gospels. Mm-hmm. I know. I know we've only read a few. Romans, Romans and Acts. Yeah. And, but I think this is better than some of the stuff in some of the Gospels, too. Sure. I, yeah, I agree. Chapter 13 is called The Gift of Love. The Gift of Love. <laughs> Written by Nicholas Sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he starts off by saying um, that like love is like the most important thing. He says, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the very famous passage. You're pointing to me like I know what the famous passage oh, is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains... But do not have love, I am nothing, as you said. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. He says, noisy gong and clanging cymbal, some of the only poetry that he's written yes. in this entire book. Is it from somewhere else? I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. Um, Why did he suddenly learn how to write like this? And didn't he also... has been fucking around this whole time? <laughs> I well then okay then we like the next two like the whole chapter is like full of famous quotes right because then the next one is when I was a child I talked like mm-hmm. a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child when I became a man I put the ways of childhood behind me for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face which of course in the in the King James version it's not a reflection in a mirror it's now we see through a glass darkly mm-hmm. which is referenced in a lot of pop culture uh and then yet another very famous passage uh and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What? what is it, so what is he talking about? I mean, he's talking about Christianity somehow, I assume. Um, y- yeah. <laughs> what, what about it doesn't seem like he's talking about Christianity? Well, I mean, love can mean a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, Jesus did say, like, the, the two most important commandments are love God and love your neighbor. Mm. So. So he's talking about how to, like... Don't know everything about Christianity mm-hmm. and don't try to display more faith than anyone. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Paul. <laughs> where it's kind of your job. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it is his job, even though he proclaims that he's not being paid for it. I don't know if he's ponying up for all these fucking business trips around. <laughs> he like has a trust fund. Asia Minor. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, oh, this is my job. But like, actually, it's like nobody asked him to do it. Yeah. He's just doing it. Anyway, you're not supposed to know the most or have the most faith. You're just supposed to love yeah the most that's the most important thing yeah mm. it's you know it's it's a very beautiful passage i think it's i agree a little jarring stuck in between like what kind of reused meats you're allowed <laughs> to have and which worshipers are human and which are not yeah <laughs> um but i don't know that's top that's top quality bible stuff, stuff right there um and then and we're just going to go back to some stupid stuff. Yeah. Which is um, like a very long diatribe about how like 
Speaking in tongues is cool, but like prophecy is way cooler because um, like speaking in tongues just like makes you seem crazy and it's, so it like doesn't bring people to God. I like that. He's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, speaking in tongues is fine technically. And he does say also, quote, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to construct others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's saying... You know, just because you speak in tongues and you, you know, you're so holy and have been touched by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're so cool if you're not helping other people to find Christ like I am. Yeah, like me. Mm-hmm. The best Bible boy. Yeah. Be, 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 be. Um, and then here's our second uh, passage about women and how they suck. This one's about how great they are and how everyone should respect them. <laughs> it says women are not allowed to speak in church. Mm-hmm. And, quote, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, and then he gets a little shitty and says, or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only ones it has reached? (sighs) Saying like, hey, guys, uh, there's a whole system to this. (laughs) Like, I hear you've been letting women speak in church. Now, okay. Obviously, um, this is the second extremely misogynistic verse in Mm -hmm. this book. Um, But something I think you were about to say earlier is that it kind of contradicts. They kind of contradict each other. They do. Because one is talking about um, how women need to have their heads covered while praying and prophesying. And then the other one is kind of saying, well, they shouldn't be praying or prophesying at all. Right. So... That might indicate that one or both of these passages was added later. <gasps> no. And was not uh, original to Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice to think about. Um, but I do, like, in my mind, like, Paul is a misogynist, you uh-huh. know? So it's it's kind of interesting for me to think that um, maybe one of those, one or both, is not actually Paul. Well. Maybe he wasn't actually a total fucking woman hater the way that i uh have conceived of him as i see well they couldn't both if they're contradictory Mm -hmm. why would people add two contradictory statements to a text later right um well if they were different people adding them or whatever but if you're okay with adding things why not just change stuff so that it doesn't contradict itself i mean we've seen the bible contradict itself a million times that's true that's true i think that people with different interests edit texts at different times and it doesn't always they don't always make it internally consistent Mm, that's fair i think the lesson we can take from it at least is that paul has a limited grasp on day-to-day life uh yeah especially regarding women (laughs) yeah i I, yeah women and relationships i mean he has all these beautiful things to say about love yeah but but he's he's so out of touch with with actual human relationships it's so strange isn't it and it really sucks because well, these verses in particular really suck because, like, Jesus in the Gospels, like, as he's portrayed in the Gospels, is more egalitarian than this. I agree. Um, not completely egalitarian. All the disciples are men. Mm-hmm. Um, but he spent a lot of time with women. Um, he was not afraid of women who had done sex work. Um, he appeared to women first when he rose from the dead mm-hmm. in many of the Gospels. Um, stuff like that. So it's, he, he never, at least... In what ended up in the Gospels never had any words explicitly about men being superior to women. Right. So it it sucks that the church ended up taking this thread, whether it came from Paul or whether it came from some some other editor, mm-hmm. and like going so hard in this direction. Um, and like obviously, you know, the first church was like became like the Catholic Church where women can't be clergy and um, priests have to be celibate. Yeah. You know, and it's just like so fucking phobic. I only just recently learned that like. In Catholicism, okay, so like in Protestantism, um, you know, like Jesus had siblings uh-huh. and I was always taught, you know, like, yeah, um, so Mary had Jesus, it was the virgin birth, you know, and then she married Joseph and then they had more kids together. But I just recently found out that in Catholicism that like they maintained that the Virgin Mary was a virgin her entire life and that Jesus' siblings were actually like Joseph's kids from a previous marriage. I see. And it was like, how fucking phobic do you have to be? Like how afraid of sex do you have to be that you're like, like, oh, this woman, like if she had sex within marriage and had children, this thing that we've said throughout the whole Bible is really good. 
that would make her too dirty. So we have to we have to pretend that she never had sex her entire life. Yeah, it's almost like some sort of complex or something. <laughs> um anyway, getting back to First Corinthians, um, chapter fifteen. Chapper? Chapter fifth turn. Paul is talking about how um, we're all going to get resurrected on Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. He lays out the mechanics by, with all, by which all this resurrection works. He's like, hey, everybody, physical it, bodies yeah. don't come back. It's going to be There's spiritual no such thing bodies. as physical, ba- physical resurrection, which is confusing because earlier in Acts, a bunch of people did physical resurrection. I mean, Paul did himself raise someone from the dead after he bored him so much that he killed him. Yeah. Everybody was doing it left and right. Yeah. So I don't know how he can go around and say that there's no physical resurrection now. Um, also... Did you notice how every time in this entire book that he says somebody has died, he says they've fallen asleep? <laughs> that, he doesn't, it, say, it doesn't like, say that in mine. Oh, really? I don't think so. What does it say? Uh, you, find me a passage and I'll tell you. Um, okay, 15.6. Um, 15.6, mine says, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared... To- to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. I don't know what to tell you. Your translation's off off its fucking rocker. Whoa. <laughs> nobody, that's... nobody says that. Well, that's... Only a small child would say that. I was... That's the term that my Bible uses for every single mention of death in the whole book of First Corinthians. It always says he falls... These people have fallen asleep. That's crazy. Um. Well, I was thinking it was like... Because they fell asleep and then they're going to be raised on Judgment Day. I see. Um, and then another thing he says about Judgment Day is that he uses this quote from Psalms. I think it's Psalm 8 about how um, Jesus will put everything under his feet, mm-hmm. which is completely taking the psalm out of context and like has nothing to do with Jesus, obviously. Um, but whatever. Um, and then and then he says, uh, Paul says, now when it says that everything has been put under him. It is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. Right. When he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. So you can see Paul kind of fumbling toward the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, but it's not there yet. Um, as And specifically as a way to pull together like sort of different notions about Jesus's divinity. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, everything was under him, but... Um, clearly that can't be true. So uh, we have to come up with a way for it to be true. It, it of course means when when it says everything, it means everything except God, because of course God invented everything. Right. So everything can't include God. Right. So that with the falling asleep, which may or may not be a good translation. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's good, but I know it's not in my good Bible. It's in <laughs> yeah, your bad I mean, Bible. my Bible definitely like sucks. So I would trust yours over mine. Um, but. I was thinking like that a we're seeing that Paul does not believe in like the the current Christian version of heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes in people being sorted out on judgment day and right. not dying and then immediately going to heaven or hell or yeah. purgatory or whatever the Catholics definitely it's came more up like with. the Jewish idea. Yeah, and then similarly, he doesn't believe in the Trinity. The Trinity hasn't been solidified yet. Mm. So like those two things are like such um integral parts of christianity and like you learn in church that that's like from the bible Mm -hmm. you know and so it was just shocking to me to see like in this one tiny little chapter it's like oh no that stuff was not like paul didn't believe in heaven and hell you know the way that we're told that paul did that's true paul definitely didn't believe in heaven hell and it's just right there in the bible hiding in plain sight Mm. it was kind of shocking to me I mean, it's not hiding at all. Yes, yeah, hiding in plain sight. That's what it means. But it's not trying to hide from you. Well, it was being... Other people hid it from Yeah, me. other other people hid it from me. Um, Their names revealed on the next episode of Sunday School Drop <laughs> Let's see if I can remember all my, like, youth pastors' names. I probably can. It's probably not wise to do so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's um, that's more or less the end. He wraps up with some logistics. Um, he ends with, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, meaning like he's like signing it at the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Sosthenes was transcribing it. I, 
I thought that was interesting that it's like in the actual text of the Bible that it's like, okay, well, I didn't write the rest of this, but I'm signing my name because I can like sort of write, I guess, but I'm not like 100% literate. Okay, bye. Later. (laughs) Um, Uh, We skipped over one of the more badass passages in the New Testament, in my opinion. Okay, what's that? Uh, It's from chapter 15. It's where Paul says, and why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour? I die every day. That is as certain, brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you, a boast that I make in Christ Jesus our Lord. If with merely human hopes I fought with wild animals at Ephesus, what would I have gained by it if the dead are not raised? Quote, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah, he does have that whole thing where he's like, well, if people can't rise from the dead, then our whole religion is, it means nothing. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly, he's like, why would I fight for this all the time if I didn't believe that we would be resurrected? And then it's like, well, I have some bad news for you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people aren't resurrected. But tonight we eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. For tomorrow we die. The most metal thing in, yeah, but he's in the New Testament that's so bad. far. Oh, well, he still said it. Yeah. Well, he quoted it, I guess. Sure. Of course, yeah. I've said a lot of things. <laughs> then you wouldn't want quoted. Would in I? court. In court? Yeah. Are you taking me to court? Mm, we'll see. Is this a, is this about your money pile? Because I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> this is actually about my um, idol meat that I sacrificed to Athena. Mm-hmm. Did you eat it? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then we don't have to go to court. Excellent. I can't afford a lawyer, anyways. Yeah, you spent all your money on idol meat. It was so cheap. <laughs> Do you think maybe it was cheaper? Yes, of course. It has to be super cheap. It's second. Secondhand meat, baby. Secondhand meat. Mm-hmm. Secondhand meat, of course, is the name of my memoir. Oh, God. <laughs> That's disgusting, baby. Do you want to rate this book? Yes. How would you rate this book? My dear, I'm going to give this 9 out of 25 clanging symbols. Oh, por qué? Well, because it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem very consistent internally or mm-hmm. with uh, the Gospels. Which I find aggravating Mm -hmm. because in my opinion, and this is just the opinion of someone who has not read this stuff before and really has not been to church before, but I feel like if you're going to build your religion around Jesus Christ, most of the stuff in the New Testament should be consistent with the Gospels. Mm. That's just my opinion. And maybe my opinion will change, but right now I'm feeling a little aggrieved that these people are coming at this and adding all this other shit on top of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, where are you getting this stuff? It's not good advice. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give it one out of six glorious uncovered women's heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I will. most of my points came from Chapter 13, which I felt really was elevated by the, the, the quality of the, the, the writing. Yes, that's and, true. And a, a rare sentiment of like unfiltered uh, spiritual love. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like... Chapter 13. I can see why people use those quotes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually enjoyed reading this more than I enjoyed reading Romans, mm. even though it was clearly like, I mean, it's way less theological. Um, it's more mundane, but also like wackier. So it was more enjoyable to read. Mm-hmm. But the egregious misogyny is just, I got to give it minimal points. Yeah, it's real bad. I'm not going to give it a zero, but I'm going to give it a one out of six. That's fair. That's fair. And I gave, I mean, I gave it the points that I did only because, frankly, I expect a certain level of misogyny from the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do too, but I feel like this really like went above and beyond. That's fair. You know, I'm embarrassed that I gave it 9 out of 25, but I'm a man of my word. You can't go back on it now. I can't go back. No. Or else they'll come and get me. They'll get you. <laughs> I think that wraps it up for for the episode this week. I believe so. So... If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Sunschool Drop. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Sunday School Dropouts. Look for that piece of smoking a cigarette. Thank you, Elise Carlton, for the logo. It is still by far the best part of the show. <laughs> if you want to send us email, including the names and photos of animals that need to be cursed or blessed, you can do so by emailing us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's sundayschooldropouts.lol. It is not .com. Uh, what else? You can follow me on Twitter, Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille spells it. If you want to find all the original music from the show, as well as anything else I may be working on musically, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com 
slash Nico Bakulich. N-I-K-L-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. Dot com. <laughs> you can, that's my website, actually. <laughs> you found uh, it. Hurrah! Congratulations. Uh, is that it? That's it. We'll be back with another book. I can't guess what it'll be. There's no way anyone could possibly surmise it's going to be a huge surprise. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians of the Bible. We'll be back next week. We're going to do a wrap for you right now just to close out the show because I think it's about time. Um, Uh Hey, everybody. I'm here to say my name is Nico B. And oh, no. I'm here to say. (laughs) (laughs) Great rap. Fucking cut, prints. Put it on the radio. It's better than Ed Sheeran in any case. Uh, We'll see you on Sunday. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.